Give us one hour and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Lisa Cypress-Kamen is a widely recognized applied positive psychology coach, author, documentary filmmaker, and lecturer specializing in the fields of sustainable happiness, mindfulness, and integrated well-being. Let's get to it. Here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, broadcasting consciously prepared brain food from the beaches of Malibu, California. Each week, we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and the critical... Whoops, from the top of that one little paragraph. We are talking about something... Oh, shit. I'm tired. That's why I don't do this at night. One, two, three. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We are talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart, and this show is most definitely all about the heart. From time to time, we talk about money, we talk about capitalism, we talk about entrepreneurship and business, and today we're going to take this topic for a little spin and talk about professional mating. Talk about what it takes to create connection and collaboration with others that are in integrity and really focus on conscious capitalism in today's climate. And my first guest today has done just that. Jessica Alter is the co-founder and CEO of Founder Dating, the premier network for entrepreneurs and advisors to connect, share, and help one another. Previously, Jessica led business development and was GM of platforms at, is it Bebo, Jessica, or Bebo? Bebo. Bebo, acquired by AOL. Prior to Bebo, Jessica worked in business development at Hands-On Mobile. She is also a mentor at 500 Startups. She holds a bachelor's in business administration from the University of Michigan and an MBA from Harvard Business School. Welcome, Jessica. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, I have to tell you how I came to know Founder Dating. I was invited by somebody in your network, and at first I was like, whoa, 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 what is this? And then I read further, and I did a little investigation, and I thought, oh, wow, this is really cool. Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad you read further. (laughs) Well, yes, because at first I was like, I saw the dating, and I saw the founder. I'm like, is this like an elite uh, traditional dating service? What, What is this? And then upon inquiry, I really learned that you're up to something really good. Tell us a little bit about it. So um, founder dating is really like LinkedIn for entrepreneurs. Um, It's a way for entrepreneurs to find the people and information 
they need to succeed um, faster. Um, and that could start with co-founders. It could be just a community of like-minded entrepreneurs, advisors, um, and now in some cities, employees. Um, and so we really think that the people side of entrepreneurship is really the last leg of, of entrepreneurship that hasn't been made um, more accessible to everyone. Uh, and we, we believe you don't have to be in one city or one place or even access people just in one city or one place um, to uh, get to the next step, build great companies and, and flourish as an entrepreneur. So our goal is, you know, how do we provide access to entrepreneurs around the world to the best people? Well, I think this is fantastic because uh, so much of entrepreneurship has turned to digital uh, the digital world, you know, digital nomads are what some people are calling entrepreneurs that, you know, work from their computers at any place in the world at any given time. Um, people come together in collaboration in um, on amazing platforms. And this is just one of them. But offering a twist, I think it's a little bit different because it's really for startups as opposed to just looking for outsourcing of um, specific jobs or tasks. It's right. really about how to build the company. Yeah, building the company and and also, you know, I would say real relationships. It's not just, you know, find someone who does this one, has this one skill. What inspired you about wanting to do this? What what did you see in in your life needing professionally? Um, you know, I think two things. One is I honestly, I just uh I enjoy connecting people and for a long time I thought that wasn't that was how everyone was. Um turns out that's not the case, but I actually enjoy it. Um, you know, I enjoy hearing, oh, I'm looking to, you know for instance, I went to lunch yesterday and a friend of mine said, Oh, like I'm doing research about the cannabis industry and what's happening there and blah blah and I said, Oh, have you met so and so? Have you met so and so? And then I just decided, you know what, I'm just gonna go on founder dating and see who's advising on that. And, you know, he found all these different people. So in some ways, you know, it's, an, it's definitely an extension of what I enjoy doing and, and that part of my personality. Um, but that's not enough to, you know, make someone um, spend 15 hours a day on something. So the bigger picture is that if you think of entrepreneurship as a four-legged table, where one leg is um, really resources and tools, we saw that that was just getting much better, right? You can get a website up overnight. You don't need to raise $10 million for servers. Um, you can have a texting app. You can sell things. It's from Shopify to Amazon Web Services to Twilio. Um, just the tools and resources are so much better now than in the last five years. Um, it's meant that you then, as the second leg, don't need as much money and there's actually more places to get it. Um, and so that's the second leg. The third is, you know, I think getting to customers and especially when you're talking about getting to your first set of customers, um, people are much more savvy about how to do that now, uh, both because they've just had more experience online. You know, there's generations that grew up online and because some of the tools are just older and more established, right? Google 
AdWords and Facebook ads and social media. You know, five years ago, um, people weren't as as familiar with Facebook ads, for instance. So those just have made things much more possible, made entrepreneurship much more possible. And the fourth leg was really people, which has always been important and part of the stability and success of a company. Um, but the importance of it and the pain it causes when you don't have the right people, I think, has been exacerbated. And so that's what we focus on. Well, I think you touch upon something um, very, very important from the people aspect. If you look at the way business is developing into the post-recessionary paradigm and young people who are coming into the business place who the media says to them or us, you're not going to have as good a life as your parents had because it's a, it's a different uh, playing field. I think that what you're doing is really offering an opportunity to say, no, 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 we're just going to do it differently. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I, I you know, I, I think, you know, living differently than your parents is, is sort of a, a, a potentially a bigger topic. But um, I think giving access to the right people and experiential information is is a way to, to help democratize things. Well, let me clarify what I mean by that. You know, in terms of the, the, the great American dream where, you know, you will own your own home, you will you will get married, you will have a house with a white picket fence, you'll have 2.5 kids and two dogs and whatever that looks like to our parents and our parents' parents, it's very different what the hopes, dreams, desires, and wishes for young people today are when it comes to their professional lives, to their personal lives, who they love, where they live. It's very, very different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Um, talk about timing, how finding the right team or creating the right team takes time and how founder dating can assist in this process. Yeah, no, it's a great question because I think it's one of the biggest mistakes we see people making um, is uh, at least on the co-founder side, but really in all in all aspects of finding the right team, whether that's advisors or team members or co-founders. Um, it it just takes a lot of time to know if people are the right people to work with. It, everything in entrepreneurship, I think if there's one lesson I could teach, it's <laughs> Everything takes longer than you expect it to. And this is um, no exception to that rule. Um, and so a lot of times what I'll hear, for instance, with co-founders is, oh, well, I got to get everything perfected, then I'll look for a co-founder. And that's like the opposite order that you should be doing it. Um, the same with employees. I mean, basically, you should always be recruiting. You should always be looking for the best people. And... Um, you know, co-founders is probably the hardest person to find just because of the um, seriousness of the relationship, right? That's probably like, you know, your work, husband, wife, partner. Um, but even advisors, like it takes time. You don't meet with someone once and just know. You're not looking just for a skill set. You're looking for, you know, people that you can spend every day with where you have uh, you're aligned on vision where you're starting a company for the same reasons where um, you're, you're stylistically similar in some areas and, um, you know, dissimilar in others. So it takes time to figure that out. I think co-founders probably take the most time, but even who's going to be on your team, I mean, is, is a hugely important thing. I think people wait, they, they put it off because uh, they don't, they can see other milestones and they're more tangible. 
Um, but you know, people ask me like, when should I be looking for a co-founder? And I say all the time, unless you're, <laughs> um, in the middle of, you know, starting or running a, a major company, um, you know, you should be doing side projects and seeing what's important to you and vetting. I mean, we call it founder dating and it's a bit tongue in cheek, but there's a process and that's yeah. what the dating refers to. Um, oh, I it, get it. It's a courtship. Yeah. And it's all the way through the same with advisors. You don't meet with someone over coffee and then say, okay, do you want to be my advisor? You want to meet with them a couple of times. You want to see what they're offering you. They want to see if you're coachable, um, you know, team members, you don't interview people once. Um, so that's just super um, important. And, and people need to think about that, putting that first before perfecting an idea, which will probably change. We are going to go to a break in a minute. And when we come back, we'll carry on the discussion about progress, not perfection, because I think this is really important in this process. Uh, to find out more about Jessica Alter and Founder Dating, please visit www.founderdating.com. On Twitter, that handle is at founderdating.com. Is that right, Jessica? Mm-hmm. Okay. At founderdating.com. And that no, is- not .com. Sorry. Oh, okay. Just at founderdating. Yep. Okay. That at founder dating. Repeat. Twitter handle at founder dating. And on, <coughs> excuse me. I'm getting over a cold here. And on Facebook, that page is founder dating. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on harvesting happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on t-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness, because happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about the professional mating process. I know that sounds a little odd, but it's true. This is the wave of the future. We are talking about founder dating with the co-founder and CEO of Founder Dating. And what founder dating is, it is 
It is basically LinkedIn for entrepreneurs. So people who like creating companies from scratch, who like taking an idea from inception to actualization is really what we're working with. And how does one do that? Jessica, talk a little bit about progress, not perfection. Before the break, you spoke of how it's important not to feel like you need to have everything in place before you go out and start recruiting and mating on founder dating. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, there's two parts. You're never going to have everything perfect. Um, and um, second is everything takes longer than you think. So you should really start the process, um, you know, well before you're quote unquote ready to necessarily, um, you know, full-time commit or bring someone on, et cetera. Um, I think uh, side projects are really the best way to, um, both see what you're really excited about and interested in and what you want in a potential co-founder. I think with advisors, it's really about, you know, meeting several times and going through whatever you would like them to advise you on. On our network, advisors are um, all vetted, um, and, you know, have to be approved and, um, you know, can search by their expert area. So if you're looking for an advisor on manufacturing, you know, talking to them about your biggest manufacturing problems and do you guys engage, um, you know, are they helpful? Uh, how comfortable do you feel, et cetera? You know, with any relationship, there's a, an element of sort of, yeah, do they have the skill set and the chops? And there's also a fit element. And I think that's true no matter if you're hiring an employee if you're trying to find a co-founder, if it's an advisor, if you're just, you know, having an ongoing relationship with anyone. So um, those are just all things to think about. And um, I would say with co-founders, start with a side project. Don't just jump in and say, do you want to do this together? Um, you know, if you already have something going, they can certainly um, start helping you on that. Um, but it's really important to work together before you decide to work together. Yeah. Can you hang out together? Right. What would the approach be? Somebody coming into founder dating, what would they, what would they experience when they come to the website, register and begin to engage with the community? So you can do multiple things on the network and just to, um, I don't think I mentioned this, but it's a open community. Anyone can join founder dating and partake in general networking or we have a huge area of the site that's for um, the community helping the community called discussions and it can range from, you know, who's the best vendor for X, Y, Z to, you know, do you think Uber is a social impact company? It's really think of it as Quora for entrepreneurs. The, then there are private networks within founder dating for advisors, co-founders and teams. Um, and so for that, you, you basically need to apply, um, when you get to the site, you would say what you're interested in and you could be interested in any and all of it. You don't have to just have one role. There are plenty of people who are, you know, starting their second company and looking for co-founders, but also advising. There's plenty of people who are hiring and also looking for advisors. So you can definitely, um, be doing more than one thing. Um, and the way that we really curate, um, those networks is that, we ask for you to have people vouch for you. Um, and, um, we have a team that actually goes through and looks at, um, you know, what those people are saying about you and, um, helps to decide if you're a fit for whichever network that you want. I think one of the powerful things about our network is that we know intent 
And so when you're looking at LinkedIn or you're at some event, you really have no idea, like, if someone wants to advise or if someone wants to join a company or someone wants to start a company. Um, you just don't know that. And on our network, you know, you're looking at um, once you do get access, you're looking at co-founders and it's very clear that everyone there is open to being a co-founder. So sending them a message about that um, is not only not weird, it's expected. Um, so you would apply, people would vouch for you. In the meantime, you can participate in discussions and network, um, assuming that you're invited to join the one of the um, those networks. You can um, then start searching by, honestly, a multitude of um, filters from the skill sets that you're looking for, for or for advisors, their, their areas of expertise that they're advising on, um, the verticals or markets that they're interested in. So it could be, you know, food companies, it could be commerce, it could be consumer electronics. Um, you can search by city, uh, you know, it, it gets to, into pretty, it gets pretty granular. Um, and then you can look at what people are saying about themselves, why they like to advise, why they want to start a company, and you start reaching out to them, you know, through the site. Um, and we make it pretty easy to respond via email, not giving out emails, but to respond. And, um, you know, you're, you're off to the races. Typically, after a couple emails, you'll want to either do a Google Hangout or a Skype. You obviously, you know, we're just a way to find those people. You still have to connect one on one. We don't. We don't say, oh, you don't email someone and say, hey, do you want to start a company with me? <laughs> well, it goes back to the courtship model. You know, exactly. that you, you need to know um, who you're getting in bed with before you close the escrow. And that does take time. Right. You know, it's not something that happens instantaneously. But what I love about what you shared is the very human factor that's involved, that everybody that's showing up on founder dating is doing so because they have a love of entrepreneurship. They have an interest in in planting a seed and watching it grow into something that it's that yes, the money is a, is a, is a lovely byproduct, but the drive in um, this on the site and the entrepreneurial spirit is what is the priority. Right. Right. Um, could you talk a little bit about your own process of founder dating to create founder dating? Yeah, you know, it was a little bit different I, that we created Founder Dating. Um, it honestly, as I, I will say, one of the things I followed is it, it was a side project to start. Um, and, you know, we did it, um, my co-founder at the time and I did it together and, um, it was definitely like a labor of love for both of us. And it started pretty innocently. Um, and uh, as I said, I think side projects are, are super helpful. Um, you, there's many, many ways to test and see if, both you care enough to spend all day, every day on this concept and also, uh, you know, see if, um, you guys can work together. So it started as a side project. So we very much followed that and, um, tested. And once we saw that there was a ton of, of interest, we, you know, went full time. So that was a big part of it. Um, and even now I use founder dating, you know, to ask questions to the community, um, in general and about entrepreneurship and also about, you know, you know, what they're seeing out there with founder dating. I started a discussion the other day about, um, you know, a company that announced they weren't building a sales team and I wanted to hear what other entrepreneurs thought of that. So I use it all the time, um, both to find people, um, for myself and see who else is on there for other people. As I mentioned, 
Um, you know, my friend is starting, um, looking at in the cannabis space and he just, he is super well connected in ads and media where he came from, but he didn't know anyone in the cannabis space. So basically overnight he can reach out to people who not only obviously know that space, but who have self-identified as being interested in helping entrepreneurs. Very, very cool. How many projects do you have going at any given time? Me personally? Yeah. Oh, well, founder dating is my full-time gig. Um, so it's hard to do more than um, that at any one time. Um, you know, if you're, I think if you're in the thick of it and you're spending, you know, 12 to 15 hours a day, it's hard to do more. But um, we always have new stuff that we're building here and expanding. So that keeps me super busy. And, and then on the side, I obviously am advising um, entrepreneurs. So I wouldn't call them my projects, but I'm, I'm definitely advising and it keeps you just nimble and looking at new stuff and learning new things. Well, I think that's really important. The advisory role that, you know, here you are um, building this company, which is fantastic, but you're also keeping your, you know, hands in the pot to see how businesses are evolving and you're giving your expertise, but you're also getting it in return. Yeah, absolutely. Advising is fun if you do it right. Yeah, it's, it's big fun. Where where are you going next with this? How do you want to expand it? What would be your ideal scene? Um, I think we really want to be the default place that entrepreneurs come for um, finding the right people and community. Um, you know, we're certainly, I think, now the largest online community of entrepreneurs and advisors. And I mean, the next step is sort of being default um, for anyone who's um, starting or building a company. So, um certainly a long way to go, but that, that's the, that's the end goal. Do you have events or are there plans to do live events? Um, you know, for people in the co-founder network in about 12 cities around the world, we do events. Um, but there are not currently plans to do more live events. Um, we do it for, you know, community building in the co-founder network. Um, but events are, um, and, you know, props to people who have event driven companies or businesses. Events are um, hard to pull off at scale and, mm. um, you know, have a have other things going on. So um, right now we've focused on letting people meet at the, on their own schedules. Well, this is this is great. I, I, I love, you know, finding things that I think are new and different and sharing them with our community and founder dating is definitely one of those um, for listeners that might be joining us now. I urge you to download and share this podcast because we really are talking about professional mating. How do you seek, find and connect with like-minded entrepreneurs where you can grow a business, create a seed and um, collaborate. And that is exactly what founder dating is doing to learn more. Please visit founderdating.com. On Twitter, that handle is at Founder Dating. And on Facebook, the page is Founder Dating. Jessica Alter, thank you so much for being with us. Jessica is the co-founder and CEO of Founder Dating, the premier network for entrepreneurs and advisors to connect, share, and help one another. We know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity. We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress-Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. 
Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Because sharing is caring. It's kind, it's free, it's legal, it's available 24-7. And we're talking about something very topical and trendy, and that is Entrepreneurial Hookups, Making Conscious and Impactful Connections. My next guest is doing just that, from the heart, I would say. And he is Matthew Nolan. He is a social entrepreneur and technologist. He is the founder of four successful companies, including Verona, a swipe app aimed at world peace, which introduces people who want to cross the social divide. Verona most recently won Fast Company's Most Innovative Company of 2016 Award and was honored by the Webbies. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, this is a great pleasure because I just love what you're doing with Verona. Tell us a little bit about what Verona is and how it started. Sure. So uh, Verona is a, is a swipe app. Um, from an interface perspective, it, it looks a little bit like Tinder. So if you can imagine all these profiles and people are swipe, you can swipe. And if two people mutually like each other, um, I pair them in a, in a chat and we have like an audio option and we have a video option. Um, but the thing that makes us different from all of the other swipe apps is that I pair people, uh, we pair people who are on opposite sides of some kind of divide. Um, and we started with the, uh, we started by pairing Israelis and Palestinians and we, uh, that was a big success, and then we we now pair all kinds of groups: uh, Repub- American Republicans, Democrats, Bernie and Hillary supporters, and we're soon to be pairing um, North and South Ireland, um, Indian Pakistan, and our goal basically is to unite the entire world. I love it. I'm I'm looking here uh, on Verona's website, and this is very cool. You know, I do see Israeli and Palestinians, Bernie and Hillary supporters. Republicans and Democrats, Trump supporters, and Latino Americans. So you're really trying to reach a very diverse, cross-cultural um, platform and bring people together and start conversations. Because with conversation and communication comes a whole host of other really good things. That's right. Absolutely um, right. Understanding, uh, opportunities for peace, opportunities for, for happiness and greater well-being. And that, that all comes through having uh, an opportunity to enhance our social and emotional intelligence. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned that you started with uh, Israel and Iran. 
And let's talk about going back now. This seems like a hundred years ago, uh, but in the scheme of technology, it was really a minute ago. There was a video that went viral in 2012 entitled Israel Loves Iran. Talk a little bit about that and its impact on, on you. Well, so, so we, we actually started by pairing, um, Israel and, and uh, Palestinians. But the, um, there was a video that went viral or the, uh, sort of like a social media phenomenon that, that took off, uh, I think two or three years ago where there was tension between, uh, Israel and Iran. And someone made a campaign, uh, to post on Twitter that Israel, Israel loves Iran. And they had these like, if you can imagine the old, you know, I love New York logo, uh-huh. like Israel heart Iran. And it was, it was, um, you know, basically people in, on, from both of those, uh, countries taking this a sort of grassroots approach at resolving the geopolitical tension between them. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it can be a little, uh, I mean, I mean, I, I think, I think most people would love to just avoid, uh, avoid, <laughs> avoid war. I mean, it sounds intuitive, right? People would like to avoid war. Um, and when two countries are sort of entangled in sort of geopolitical strife, um, it's great. I think that the internet has provided a venue for people to express, um, sort of like a, an open hand or, uh, you know, a handshake across sides to hopefully ease the geopolitical tension. And so it was, it was, I thought it was a fantastic campaign. And then there's been a bunch of, there's been a bunch of spinoffs. There's America loves Iraq. And I think someone did, um, you know, Israel loves Palestine. And, you know, there's been a whole bunch of spinoffs. And there's, there, there have been other people too who have, um, other artists who have made, made campaigns of like, uh, like profiles, profile for, uh, profiles for peace, for instance. And, um, I love it. And, uh, <laughs> You know, it's great. The, the internet is such a great, a great tool to, you know, connect everyone. So I thought, so I mean, so for me, it was just taking some of this, I was sort of tapping into this energy that's already in the zeitgeist and channeling it through, through something that just allows people to really have a one-on-one connection. This really resonates for me because it talks to or speaks to the, the peaceful activist that resides within me. You know, like I am anti-war. I, I, I think, you know, we, we should hug it out, right? That's kind of I what, I, yeah. that's kind of like what, <laughs> I, what, I, what I think needs to happen. But by, by being a part of platforms such as Verona, it allows us to activate that sort of, um, peaceful social reformer that exists within many of us. Yeah. Um, I think, I think people really want to, Take, a lot of people want to take matters into their. Well, I think we're all tired of of watching. I feel like when you just turn on the news, it's always just you know it's like Groundhog Day. You know every and if you look at the Israeli Palestinian conflict, it's like every couple of months there's some new there's another incident. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the whole world is is frustrated that no no progress has been made, and the people on both sides of that conflict are frustrated that no like progress hasn't hasn't been much progress hasn't been made. And I, yeah, I really think people want to take, I think that there's sort of a, people are a, a bit, I think generally frustrated with, um, our political leaders right now. And this is like just my opinion, I think, and not just, I think globally. And if you look at like the, our presidential candidates right now, I think people are very frustrated with, um, with, 
our political, and we, I think people just want to take matters into their own hands and be that sort of, um, sort of grassroots, grassroots um, activist. Uh, I agree. I work with a lot of young adults, and what I see or what I witness in my informal polling is that probably 90% of them have no intention to vote in the next election. And wow. I, I challenge them, I, you know, because they think, A, their vote can't make a difference, B, they don't know enough about the candidates, or C, they're so disillusioned and angry that they just are going to walk away from it. And I encourage them to vote even if they write in Mickey Mouse, you know, to exercise That's great. their <laughs> prerogative to go to the polls and make their voice known. You know, and if enough of us show up to the polls and are writing in candidates, even if it seems like they are cartoon characters, it makes a statement unto itself. Yeah, I think I think there's a – people are very used – I think the internet has really conditioned people to, to feeling like they can have a sort of immediate effect on the world. You know, it's possible for someone to post something on Twitter and then several hours later it goes viral and like, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who have had that happen to them. And I feel like people are generally disconnected from, from the political, from the political process. I don't know. I mean, that's, that seems to be, that seems to be what's going on. And so with, with Verona, um, you know, I'm just I'm just trying to provide a venue to allow people to. There, I mean, in, in terms of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, there's a physical wall, right? Um, yeah. And so, I'm hopefully, just I'm, I'm providing people a venue to uh, to just connect across the border and and um, you know make friends with the uh, with the other side. And when you say make friends with the other side, you're talking about starting a conversation and seeing what brings us more closely together. What our what our commonalities are. Versus the differences, right? And it's, you know, it's really all about building empathy and seeing the other, the other side, uh, the quote unquote other side for you know, as as um as a as a a human and not as the other. Yeah. And so let's take for instance, um, so we're both Americans, so we can. So let's take the 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 um, the polarization between Republicans and Democrats. Right, you know the and and the me, uh, the mainstream media is also very polarized, and they cater to these sort of like um, uh, uh, arc stereotypes. Right, the the maybe Fox News uh, might think that you know liberals are you know hippies or something, have long hair, or, you know, whatever. Right, and perhaps the liberal media might might think that you know the conservatives are you know wear cowboy hats or some other you know some kind of caricature of. <laughs> You know, they have the, like, uh, they're, they've got a Budweiser in hand or something. And n- neither of these stereotypes are, of course, true, right? But, um, they both, they both, they both play to it. And it's very, um, I feel like in, in America, there's been a wedge driven, uh, in the middle of us. And, and really conservative, conservatives and, and, and liberal people have a very, I think we, I think we all want the same thing from, from the, from our country. And, by accepting, by sort of u- using identity and saying, yes, identify, I'm, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. Like I'll, I'll play into the stereotype. And then you have a conversation with someone and surprise, they're just like you or they share the same values, they share the same fears, they share the same um, the pri- priorities in life as you. All of a sudden they're not, they're not the other anymore. They're not the, 
they're not the lattes sipping hippie. All of a sudden, this is somebody who is concerned about like trade, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> I, well, I think you bring up something really important and it's the, it's the otherness. And I think Verona does a very good job of helping break the barriers or dissolving the barriers that we tend to hold up so we can keep our position, whatever that position is, whether it's a political position or a cultural position or something that keeps us separated, when at the end of the day, we are all human beings occupying the same planet. Um, our happiness is generated pretty much from the same kinds of things, you know, connection, belonging, having a noble purpose, um, having our basic needs met, a roof over our head, food in our stomach, clothing on our backs. I mean, that if, you know, you look at subjective well-being around the world, those are the things that people report makes makes them happy. Yep, absolutely. And given all the communication platforms, uh, all the communication tools available to us, I think it's absurd that there's not more collaboration across these sorts of divides. And, in, and, and I, and I think that there's not a collapse between these, these, the, the polarized divides themselves, especially in the context of something political or, um, sociological, like, like, um, you know, American conservatives and, and, and liberals, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a lot of work to do, right? A, a lot of, a lot of barriers to break down and, and this is a, a great start. We're going to take a break in a minute, but before we go there, I want to, um, just go back to something you mentioned about increasing global empathy, because sure. this is something that some people would, people would say, you know, how can you use technology, technology, you know, it occupies our time. It's a, it's an energy sucker. I mean, this is what a lot of people will say. And what you're saying and what you're proving with the use of Verona and the app is that you actually can use this for social good and the greater good. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think, um, I think the progress comes in, I mean, I think we have to take a break, but, uh, yeah, I think the, the, it, what it really comes down to is just building bridges uh, yeah. and providing a way for people to build to build bridges with themselves or with other people and and if there's enough of that then then I think inevitably we increase the global empathy yeah I, I agree we're going to take a break and when we come back we'll carry on the conversation about bridge building through technology with Matt Nolan of Verona to learn more about about Verona or to get Verona please visit www.getverona.com on Facebook the page is Verona app and on Twitter the handle is at get Verona here come those tunes we will be right back and that's a promise we know that life is tough and that happiness can and does live along with adversity We'll be right back to explain how on Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on toginet.com. Like us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and on Twitter at HH Talk Radio. Lisa returns with more of Harvesting Happiness following this short break. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, 
and heroes.org. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen on Toginet, the show dedicated to promoting happiness because happiness is a choice and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. So let's get back to it. It's Harvesting Happiness on Toginet.com. And now back to your host, Lisa Cypress Kamen. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. We are carrying on and continuing the conversation about entrepreneurial hookups, making conscious and impactful connections with my guest, Matthew Nolan. He is the founder of Verona. And if you don't know about Verona, you ought to. It's a swipe app aimed at world peace, which introduces people who want to cross the social divide. So for all you naysaying or angry Republicans and Democrats out there and people maybe listening overseas um, in the UK, you can connect with people that come from opposing positions with curiosity, wonder, safety, and inquiry that may enable you to get a different perspective or the glimpse into the life of another and see that you're not so separate and different from them. And Matt, you know, on the break, I was mentioning to you that, you know, the name Verona itself uh, is quite a uh, romantic place. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about how you decided on that name for the app. Sure. So we, all right. So we, we, we early started by calling ourselves a dating app. Um, and people, people reached out to us from the Middle East and said, you know, that's awesome that you want to call yourself a dating app, but I have a, I have a family. Um, you know, I'm not interested in dating, but I do want to reach out and talk to the other side. So we've since rebranded the whole thing as a friendship making app, uh, with a lot of success. But the very the beginning of Rona started out with um, you know pairing Israelis and Palestinians in this Tinder experience. So Verona is um, a reference to Romeo and Juliet. Verona, Verona is the the town in which Romeo and Juliet met. So we we are the venue in which you know uh, two people from from uh, star crossed uh, families can meet one another and form a connection. Love that. And it leads me to believe that you are a romantic at heart and in a global romantic at best, you know, you could say that. Yeah, I'm a bit of um, I prefer. Yeah, you could say that perhaps idealist. <laughs> I like maybe I like romantic more, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I like romantic more. I mean, I, I'm going with romantic because it is all about um, love on a very, very different level, you know. Uh, seeing for the love of humanity, for the love of one another, seeing that we really are not separated from one another, that we may have thoughts and positions that seem to separate us. But at the end of the day, the desire of humanity is pretty unified. I think so. I'm extremely hopeful for the, uh, this sounds so like, um, like fluffy, but I, I really do feel, <laughs> uh, I really do feel, um, um, very optimistic for the future of humanity. And I, f- I feel like the, you know, um, 
right now we're like at this moment of like, you know, tension with like the American, you know, the American presidential race and like the Brexit and the economy and all this stuff. But if you look at like the grand scheme, like in terms of like, um, you know, like, like casual war casualties, like we're, we're, we're at a, we're at an all time low since the second world war. I really feel like the more interconnected, uh, humanity becomes the more absurd conflict, conflict seems. So yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my thought on that. And, you know, I, I noticed that you have uh, garnered acclaim from the Webby Awards. And Tiffany Schlain, the founder of the Webby Awards, she did a fabulous film about this entitled Connected. It was all about the vice virtue of digital technology. And at the end of the day, that it is probably one of the most powerful weapons that we do have to create peace. Absolutely. Um Absolutely. I mean, it's so, um, if, uh, if you look, you know, if, if right, if one country were to go at war with another country right now, what we would see are people, the, 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 the other country, the country that's being bombed on Twitter <laughs> and, and Tumblr asking the other country to please stop bombing them. You know, it's, it's very hard to see. Um, I think the internet's done a, such a great job at making it hard to see, um, other other groups as being the other you know yeah. all of a sudden it's it's so fantastic when you can you know get on a plane and fly halfway around the world to some remote jungle and they're you know they're like they're you know they're like watching the simpsons you know <laughs> listening to michael jackson you know there's <laughs> <laughs> um you know popular culture has really global globalized all cultures and i you know it's i think we're at this weird we're at this weird moment when we have this very old way of, you know, this pre-information age. Uh, we have we have countries with guarded borders. Um, we have all these different languages right now, and we're sort of in this awkward in-between stage, but you know, before we start to really um, completely globalize uh, our all culture, um, which of course will, you know, I think reduce reduce uh, conflict. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the demographic on Verona and um, maybe bust some myths about who can go and hang out there. Because in my mind, when you said that you started it as a, it was originally a dating app and then it became a friendship app and now it's a social connection app. Some people of a certain generation, me being part of that generation, might say, well, I'm too old, you know, what am, what am I going to do there? And the reality of it is, this, uh, reality of it is this is a platform for all. Absolutely. Um, I've gotten into, um, it, it's really, it's a platform for, for everyone. And I ask people to, even if they don't feel like they 100% fit in with one group or another group. So take Republicans and Democrats. So if you're an independent, um, there's not an option because I'm picking these sort of Boolean AB uh, pairings. But to, to just identify with which whichever one you most closely identify with if only from like an ideological perspective. So if you lean more left or you lean more right, pick that. For the Israeli-Palestinian, are you, you know, which one do you ideologically identify the most with? And then it's all, there's almost like a role-playing thing. And then, of course, when you're swiping, you're never really too sure who you're, who you're swiping. Is this somebody who is like a hardcore, you know, a hardcore blue-blooded card-carrying Republican? Or is it somebody <laughs> who's, who's just, you know, slightly center-right? And I, I think, you know, if we're successful, I want to throw all of all of the all of these identities into question. 
So if we if we make identities mean less, then we have fewer things that um, separate us. Yes. And, you know, I'm thinking about how this is one big anti-bullying campaign. Um, it could be, it could be seen. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, um, it's really just about, it's really about making, making friends. I mean, I've gotten into good conversations about, um, you know, like house music and stuff. I've, I've made some very good friends off of Verona. Um, so yeah, I could, there's definitely no bullying. Uh, we're definitely, it's definitely an anti-bullying community. I can, that's for sure. Yeah. It's very cool. All right. So for the, for the neophyte, tell us how, how we get involved. What happens when we go on to Verona? Uh, you sign up with Verona, and then I ask a couple of basic questions. The most important question is, what is your number one passion? Because I, I, people can talk about that. So if your number one passion is ten, playing tennis or cooking or skiing or, or reading, you know that's, that's a topic that, that people could have a 20-minute conversation about. So I ask everyone what that is. So as they're swiping, they get, they get a photo, they get their name, they get their age, they get their hometown where they currently are and they get their their favorite passion and so and then they get like an about me section and stuff and so based on that data if you like that person you swipe right and then if two people are interested in each other then you're in a chat and um and then you're free to chat about whatever you like and hopefully people start talking about uh their passion or what they're interested in and um make friends with the other side and indeed people have have emailed me and said that they've they've made uh you know people who are their best friends they're having a couple of romantic connections um off of uh off of verona so um yeah just download it sign up and jump right in wow it's, it's exciting it's very very exciting to cross to cross the divide and learn about the other and see that the other is not so separated from ourselves what are your future plans to use technology to solve more of our world's problems? Well, so with Verona, we're growing it, uh, opening new groups. We're going to be doing uh, North and South Ireland and Indian Pakistan and focusing on those two groups for the rest of the year. Uh, you know, our, our grand, my grand vision is to unite everyone. I mean, Facebook, uh, social media networks like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter have done a fantastic job at connecting people who are second degree connections. So people you went to high school with, your friends, friends, um, so on and so forth. But it's, those tools are not great at meeting people who are like halfway around the world. So for instance, I love JavaScript and techno music and somewhere in Western China or perhaps uh, Northern Ireland. Or perhaps, um, or perhaps Brazil is someone who's just like me with the same interests, the same passions, who I would have a great conversation with. Um, and it's hard to meet that person right now. There's not really a, a great tool for it. Yeah. And by the year 2020, uh, the, the, uh, the number of people on the internet is thought to basically double. Is an, an estimated 5.5 billion people are going to be on the internet. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people who aren't um, interconnecting with, with one another. Uh, and so my my grand vision is just to to basically connect the whole world. I love it, and, and, and you know, and for me, when I look at social media today, and I look at I have I have teenage kids, and I look at the way they use social media, there's a lot of um, parallel play 
you know, where they're sort of sitting side by side with one another. They're not interacting together, but they're interacting out in the world with, you know, a lot of banalities, if you ask me. But, you know, I'm not I'm not in their screen, so I don't really know. But And what I love about Verona is the fact that you can engage in meaningful dialogue, not that every single conversation is going to be about world peace, but you are really stretching yourself. And if you look at what it is that causes us to be happy, it is when we are in that state of curiosity, wonder, and delight that I mentioned earlier, when we're stretching ourselves just a little bit, you know, a little bit on the edge to, um, to learn something new. That's where the growth and the happiness lies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, and I think once you're, when you're stretching yourself to talk, to talk to someone who's somewhere else or perhaps that you thought you wouldn't be able to relate to, and all of a sudden you're having a conversation about your, your favorite Simpsons episode, all of a sudden people are much more, you know, that other person is much more relatable. And I think actually the, for me, the, my, the biggest success isn't, Aren't, aren't the conversations where people are having talking about world peace or some something grand? I'd ra- I, I really embrace. I like those conversations about the banal, or um, or the or the commonplace or or, or what have you, because that's that's what normal friends talk about. You know, yeah. their, fa- their favorite TV show, their passions, whatnot. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's where. And it, you, you mentioned your your kids. I mean, I think uh, I think it was like I, I read a, re- a report that said like half. Half the half the players of these of the you know the 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 giant multiplayer games do it because they have friends who they who they're playing with. You know, it's, they do yes. it to stay in touch with their friend from halfway around the world that they play the game with. And so that shows me that there's a tremendous demand for for tools to make new friends from around from around the world. And if it's happening inside a World of Warcraft, um, how come we can't do it outside a World of Warcraft? And that's, you are. <laughs> well, you are I'm, doing it. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. We're trying to. We're, I'd like to scale it to the to to be. I'd like I like to turn it into a World of Warcraft scale, and um, and I mean I, I mean I really just think it's inevitable. And there's and there's a tremendous business opportunity there too. Um, and uh, yeah. So that's that's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. To learn more about Matt Nolan's work, please visit www.getverona.com. On Facebook, that page is Verona app. And on Twitter, the handle is at Get Verona. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for being with us. Here are a few thoughts before we part. Happiness is not a destination. It cannot be bought, sold, or traded. Happiness will never invite you to the party. Happiness simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion, purpose, place, and meaning. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress-Kamen and my guests today, Jessica Alter and Matt Nolan, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio is produced in collaboration with TogiNet and KBUU and is available on PRX, the public radio exchange. Go out and rock your day. 
Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Join us each and every Wednesday for a brand new broadcast and continue to harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with hundreds of free downloadable podcasts from our libraries on iTunes and SoundCloud. To learn more about Lisa's global practice as an applied positive psychology coach specializing in lifestyle management as well as addiction and trauma recovery services, please visit HarvestingHappiness.com. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness, following Lisa on Twitter at Lisa Kamen, and tweeting us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Can you tell me what is your